You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Okay. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the match he did the monster match the monster match it was a graveyard smash he did the match it caught on in a flash he did the match he did the monster match from my laboratory in the and uh, that was the monster mash to open our show exciting because it's a Halloween thing, and apparently that's a thing. Gotta play Monster <laughs> Fair Mash. Fair enough. Gotta play Monster Mash. Last year I played the Ghostbusters beginning. Oh, yeah. Actually. That's a good one. Um, just to get started, I have some Halloween angst. Um, I spent a lot of money at the dollar store buying my Halloween decorations. Yeah. But you get what you pay for because for the last two weeks, my neighbors have been collecting my tombstones and putting them back. At my doorstep. <laughs> so Your neighbors have been doing that? Because they've like blown away. Oh, so like, not like they, feel, they're no, actually no, like no, taking no, them out. No. I feel, because you know, it's been really windy the past, like, well, last week it like rained yes. all week and it's it was really big, windy. Yeah, yeah. So, you very know, gloomy. it's very, it's cheap dollar store. They look great when everything's set up, but they've blown away. So as they would, yeah, yeah. I guess. So I'm Dan put his foot down and said, "You can only put these out like the day before Halloween <laughs> because our neighbors have to keep collecting them." <laughs> so I'm wow. a little sad. Wow. October first, I had started putting. Of course. But you know now, they have to. Wow. They haven't been lasting. And Dan, I hate to admit when Dan's right, but he's like. Don't you? Th- are these gonna last till Halloween? And I'm like, of course they are. And no, no, that, <laughs> they no, no, they did not. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> Your wah, decorations wah. have not lasted. Yeah, but kids had been walking past our house, being like, "Ooh, scary! Like we don't want to go there for Halloween." So effect, the effect has been achieved when they work. When they work, when they're not blown down. So, anyways, I'm a little bit bummed about that. But Halloween is quickly upon us, and I'll look at the forecast and see what the wind. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder like, what yeah what the day is going to be just like because the stakes aren't long enough. You know what I mean? Like they they're not yeah. going deep yeah, they're enough just into not, the ground. Yeah, yeah. But um. But yeah. we're nine days away. I mean, it's it's time to it's time you know, to spook up to spook up. We need to have stuff going here. Yeah, and my neighbors have not been stepping up to the plate. I so. feel like that is a lost art. Yeah, decorating. I, yeah, Even when I, Christmas decorations yeah, seem really I think shoddy. people have just maybe rightly so come to the conclusion that there's no real point yeah it's not worth it but i don't know for me it's always just fun to change up the atmosphere i guess i always looked at it as it's a way to kind of count the days without counting the days like to have these things to look forward to and to decorate and know where you are in the month it just doesn't make every single month of the year feel the same like it just adds something different yeah so anyways, I guess I've learned my lesson and I'm going to have to invest in my Christmas decorations. No dollar yeah. store Christmas Hey, if you, you know, if you know you're going to use them, it's a good investment. I know. I just, I'm very picky. I don't want it to look like, like the dollar store ones actually look good. And I don't want 
to like get like I want it to be skate. Anyway, I've been quite impressed by what you can find at the dollar oh, store yeah. for for decorations. But yeah, I mean it, it's inside is one thing, but then when you're outside and everything's blowing everywhere, I get it. Like and that would Kingston's be tougher. And Kingston's a windy city. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, enough about my decorating woes. Oh, it's a good way to kick things off. This is our <laughs> Halloween spectacular, though. I guess over half this episode is going to be dedicated to finishing vampire stuff and answering fan questions, well, and then we a little a bit lot of volunteer. Of yeah. Feedback. Lots of thoughts on the vampire episode. So we're probably going to kick off with that because we also want to wrap up vampire stuff. So we're going to answer yeah. some fan questions, wrap up our vampire episode, and then we'll uh, we'll get to some Halloween suggestions for you before the end. Um, we're going to start off with Colt, who says, Great start to the vampire discussion. Uh-oh. But let's finish the casting in the Halloween episode, listening to Mike fumble around in the dark is hilarious. I think Taylor had a better time casting Marvel Phase 4 than Mike had casting Dracula. I actually agree with that. I feel like you had the flow and kind of came up, even though, like, I'm probably better at coming up with names of actors. I think you're <laughs> better at, like, figuring out casting and like characters. On the spot, yeah, like, I... you you kind of, I mean, I, I just remember you properly casting who was being rumored for She-Hulk. Like you came up with Na- yeah, you came up with like Allison Brie, and that's exactly who they're considering, and that's pretty funny. Maybe I have a future as a casting director. Yeah, yeah, you could. There people you they know. make good money doing that. If only, if only the important people listen to this. Hey, not that our don't. fans aren't important, but like. But Colt's bad. not going to get you a job, yeah, fan cast, like casting stuff. You know, yeah, we're not on their radar. Um, but why don't we do that first? Then this is the first fan question. We've sure. got some time. Let's finish the vampire casting. Let's go through these. This Dracula. Yeah. Let's recap what I did. Yeah. So um, we know that you casted. Dracula, the Joaquin the main, Phoenix, the villain yes. um, of the movie. So that was Joaquin Phoenix, which was great. Um, for Jonathan Harker, who is sort of Dracula's main, in a way, adversary, um, you picked Ryan Reynolds. Off, uh, you know, a, a not popular choice, but I'm sticking by it. Oh, do some people comment on it? No, or? but you did. Yeah. Um, and, and you seemed uninterested. <laughs> but I'm sticking to Ryan Reynolds in that role, yeah. And, um, for your own sake and also for our listeners, it, Keanu Reeves was the original Jonathan Harker. That's why I think it works because I think at that time Keanu Reeves was still a relatively newish actor who had only really done comedy stuff. Yeah. You know, it's but an opportunity. But he also has been critically panned for his performance. That's like <laughs> so, half of Keanu Reeves' movies though. Fair enough. Yeah, it's like hit or miss. Exactly. It's like an, he's like the other Nicolas Cage. But Keanu fans, they know. They love him. Um, and then for Mina Harker, uh, she only becomes Harker like halfway through the movie because she marries Jonathan. Um, you picked Margot Robbie. Yeah. And I re- remember you saying that she'd have to dye her hair. What, does, does she have to have dark hair? Is that like the whole I idea? Think just because in the original, I don't know. Um, I've never actually read the book. I've mm. only like seen dracula portrayed on film and i don't know i guess because winona winona Ryder originally played her yes. in the, the 94 version which in a perfect world we would be recasting that one technically yeah, yeah. um i guess because uh winona is always dark haired yes in my mind mina has dark yeah hair. that's just the way you sort of like I look at it yeah her. but there's yeah, nothing there's fine. nothing necessarily and in the film where you'll get to We'll get to it. You have to cast Lucy, which is Mina's best friend. All right. And in the film, they're kind of um, 
like mirror image of e- of each other. So like Lucy, like they have to look like dark versus light in order to be opposites in a way. I've got my cast for that. Then. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> that was why names, kind of yeah. I was picturing. I picture Mina dark haired. But fans, if they've read the book, I don't know if they give. It's an interesting. The book itself is actually written in a way that like. Some of it is diary entries, some of it's newspaper clippings, some of it's, like, telegraphs. Right. So I don't know how much, like, actual character description you get in the book. Um, but, you know, it's hard when you, like, you have an iconic movie. Yeah. And that's the only way you can envision Yes, yes. And you want to kind of also, when you do something like recasting a reboot, you want to give them some of those looks yeah. back, even if it to was, be, yeah. we're a culture where we want, yeah. like, touchstones, right? Okay. Well, I'll stick with Margot Robbie. Okay. And... For me, like Margot will be more of a Lucy, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and then we were running out of time, so I had you pick Van Helsing to cast because he's like one of the more sort of iconic enough that like you can he can have like standalone movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has been standalone Van Helsing movies. Yeah, I think with uh, uh Hugh Jackman yeah. played Van Helsing in a in a movie called Van Helsing. Yeah. Um. So he's it was not good. He's betrayed by uh, Hannibal. Oh, what's his name? The British actor. Who played Hannibal? Yeah, in the original Silence of the Lambs. Oh, um, we just I know, about I can't believe I can't. Um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Thank you. So in the 94 a movie, Anthony Hopkins plays yep. Van Helsing, which I think is great casting. Um, you chose either Kurt Russell or the man that looks like Kurt Russell. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> uh, Which, to me, both would be good. Yeah, I guess I kind of want Kurt Russell because I just sort of think with Margot Robbie and Ryan Reynolds being young, you want Dracula to be a bit – I mean, Dracula's, like, counterpart in Van Helsing, this, like, to be a bit older yeah. and to have that wisdom. And I don't know. I just feel like that that's sort of, like, been – beat it. down and through it kind of feel that yes almost. but but like adventurer like 10 years too late yeah um is the way i kind of look at it i don't think you want van helsing in his prime because i don't think that that's as interesting so a jeff bridges or or a kurt russell i think kind of gives agree. that feel i agree with that yeah. casting um so that was that's a catch up a recap of last week's episode of how far we got. Um, if you didn't hear last week's episode, although I encourage you to go back and listen because it it was our eagerly anticipated vampire episode. Absolutely, go back and so download go back it now. and have a listen. Yeah. Um, so now that we now we're gonna do sort of almost the what what I would consider sort of the secondary characters. They're all very important for the mm-hmm. plot, but like we did sort of the. The stars. So those four would be the big, the stars the big four. of the okay. movie. Okay, so the next character you need to cast is Lucy Westenra. I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, but her name's Lucy. This is Mina's best friend, an attractive, vica- vivacious young woman, the first character in the novel to fall under Dracula's spell. Lucy becomes a vampire, which compromises her much-praised chastity and virtue, and banishes her soul from the promise of eternal rest. Determined that such an end is unfit for an English lady of Lucy's caliber, Van Helsing's crew hunts down the demon she has become and kills it, following the rituals of vampire slaying, and thus restoring Lucy's soul to her body and to heaven. Um, in the film, she's portrayed very sexually. Like, she's sort of like... um 
almost on the prowl. She has okay. three potential suitors. Yeah. And she's kind of playing off the three of them. Yeah. Um, it never, the movie never implies that she's had sex, but okay. she's definitely sort of more um, awakened than Mina would be. She's more of the sexy of the two. Okay. Samara Weaving. Okay. She looks too much like Margot Robbie. Exactly. So basically, we're going to have them both look alike, but we're just going to have them kind of play. Because we, we joked that she was the discount Margot Robbie. Right. We made a vicious, mean <laughs> joke two weeks ago about her. Because um, she's in Ready Because ready she's or Ready not. or Not. And she basically, like, if you quickly turn, she you'd be looks like, really like Margot Robbie in this in that picture. Photo. Yeah. So this is what I think. I think you make them look kind of similar, but you kind of play down Margot Robbie's features. She's done it before. She's been in a lot of movies where she's like her features have been played down. I mean, what's that movie with the skater? Tanya Harding. Yeah, when she played Tanya Harding, she she doesn't look like what she normally does. So I think you do kind of that. You play it down, and then you get uh, discount uh, Margot Robbie and Samara Weaving, and you put her in that role. And I mean, like I feel like based off of this picture alone, it you know it kind of fits, and I think she would do it. So that that's gonna be my casting. Okay, interesting. Samara Weaving. Kind of go off the fact that they look the same but exactly. aren't the same. And and the good thing of, I think about casting an interesting movie is is when you really grab people's attention is when you go off the cusp and grab uh, you know guy from you grab Heath Ledger who who did a knight's tale and you put him in joker makeup. You grab someone who you don't think would be in something but because they've got the acting talent behind yeah. it they can do it and I think Margot Robbie and Samara Weaving can do it. She was good in Ready or Not. I thought she was one of my – she was the favorite part of that movie. Yeah. Like, And I've seen I, – I know she's been in other things. I was just looking up, but I know I've seen her Maybe in something else. Better. Oh, right. I talked about that. She was in Three yeah. Billboards. Um, she but, also Australian. Yeah, she, born in Australia. There you, you go. Know, two Aussies. Two Aussies. Um, so the next character is actually one of um, – Lucy's suitors okay. and this is John uh, Seward a talented young doctor formerly Van Helsing's pupil so this is how Van Helsing gets involved because okay. John kind of contacts He's a him pupil okay um, uh, John is an administrator of an insane asylum not far from Dracula's English home throughout the novel um, John conducts ambitious interviews with one of his patients Runfield in order to understand better the nature of life consuming psychosis Although Lucy turns down John's marriage proposal, his love for her uh, remains and he dedicates himself to her care when she suddenly takes ill. After her death, he remains dedicated to fighting the Count. Mm. So um, Van Helsing's team or crew, as was described by Sparknotes, is made up of Lucy's ex-boyfriend and um, Jonathan Harker. And so this character, you're saying that he he's he does interviews. Like, he's, is he very scientific? Is he like scientific in the sense that you know um, modern medicine and psychology's developed? Because this book takes place in the Victorian yes. era. Yeah. So, sort of modern psychology as we know it is developing at this time. Um, in the movie, he's um, portrayed as having. Um, it's either a morphine or um, what do they use to put people under in the old days? But he's essentially portrayed as a drug addict um, using like morphine or whatever. But he definitely has sort of a clinical mind. Um, so he's more of the, the doctor psychologist of the group. And then there's, we'll get into it, but in the next three characters, you kind of almost have to cast almost like a buddy comedy. So there's the doctor suitor who mm -hmm. is, you know, um, 
not upper class, like mm-hmm. a working, you know, scholar, okay. kind of a scholar, um, scientist, medical mind. Okay. Then there's the English lord. And then there's the American cowboy. Okay. And all three of them dated Lucy. Okay. And this is the first of the three. Yes. Okay. And Lucy um, rejects him, but right. he still is in love with her. Um, someone came to mind, and I'm trying to find his name, um, because he. I know he was in Heroes. You can pick Milo. Uh, no, it wasn't who I was going to pick, but... <laughs> um, mm, he was also in what was that obscure once upon a time like you know that once upon a time tv show yeah but there was like another one that was like once upon a time but it was alice in wonderland was it a movie or no i think it was like a short run show or like it didn't it didn't work this is great radio (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as we like Google. I don't this wasn't a show that I watched. Do you remember what fairy tale character he was? Yes, he played um the bad guy from Aladdin. What's his name? Jafar. <laughs> so there you go. Naveen. Yes, uh N- Naveen Andrews. Naveen Andrews. So Naveen Andrews is actually like a really strong actor but he's been in like very few crappy. things like yeah like <laughs> i shouldn't say crappy but people no love once upon a time yeah but like this like spinoff was like not good um and then heroes and lost he was in both of those as like and he just, hasn't, like, been and he just hasn't been able to break through but he is a fantastic actor and I, the way i don't know there was something about he the way he almost played dracula looking at it yeah the way the way you were kind of describing this like person who like has this clinical mind but also like like all the things like I just feel like he could pull that character off okay, really well I and it would be kind of neat to see again uh, having cast this thing as this big movie it'd be nice to put some up and coming or never really had their break actors in these yeah. types of roles so yeah uh, Naveen Andrews is going to be my pick for that in the 94 movie it was the actor from um, remember the movie I reviewed in the fall about the literary forger with yes um, um, and it was the male Yes, of the, course. What's it? He's British. Um, this was the one with Melissa McCarthy, yeah. wasn't it? Do you remember his name? I don't. He played the original John but, Seward. But that movie just came out this past year, yeah. didn't it? Um, well, you, Could You Ever Forgive Me is the Could name. You Ever Forgive Me? Or will... Will you ever forgive me? Yeah. Would you... No. Will you forgive... Would you, would you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Can you for- Again, great, <laughs> great radio. <laughs> no, this is good. Richard ever- E. Grant. <laughs> yes. So Richard E. Grant was the original okay. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, I'll stick with my because I think that Naveen. he Naveen needs a break and I this think he'd be, be great. It. This could be it, yeah. This could be his So vehicle. Naveen Andrews, he'll be my pick. So the next sort of former boyfriend, um, which actually, um, this is the one that Lucy picked. So this okay. is Arthur Hol- Holmwood. Arthur Holmwood. This is Lucy's fiance and a friend of her other suitors. So again, this is the funny, um, even though the three suitors are sort of competing for Lucy's hand in marriage, they actually do get along with each other. So they're all friends. Yeah. All right. And I think they're <laughs> friends just by virtue of being in Lucy's <laughs> circle. I don't know. I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I couldn't 
I couldn't do it. But it's the Victorian period. Everyone's civil. Yeah, everyone's I oh. So, um, Drives me nuts. Arthur is the son of the Lord Gogolmeering. Anyways, I don't know. I can't pronounce these names. Arthur is the son of a lord. Okay. And he inherits that title upon his father's death. In the course of his fight against Dracula's dark powers, Arthur does whatever circumstances mm. demand. He is the first to offer Lucy a blood transfusion, and he agrees to kill her demonic form. Okay. So he would almost be like the bright, like in a way, like definitely like the gentleman of the group. And he's like, British? He's British. Definitely willing to kind of go above and beyond to defend Lucy's honor and you know do what it needs to do what it uh, mm. what it takes in order to make her well because initially they don't they think she's just sick she has some sort of blood right. disease right um and then eventually they find out no she's a vampire he also i would say is um the most skeptic okay of the group like okay. he he wants to trust medical science and is kind of the mo- more apprehensive when van van helsing gets involved but once he kind of accepts this as fact he's willing to do what it needs what needs to be done okay charlie hunnam yes so very good cast i think that would really work for it because i also think that like again to this to me this becomes such a adventurer's sort of interesting take in that sense so i feel like he brings the adventure side of it he's obviously he's played multitudes of characters before and i feel like he can bring he that kind of like his crimson peak character pretty, pretty much yeah he crimson, did a, he yeah did he was great crimson in crimson peak. peak and that's exactly what made me think of what yeah. you were describing was like oh that's like his character in crimson peak and casey you Ulins, or i forget how to pronounce his name the um he was Wesley in um Oh, in, uh, uh Carrie uh, L uh, Elwins or yeah, Elwaves. He was the original okay. yes. yeah. um Arthur. So yeah. So again, similar, similar you know, yeah. good looking, kinda dashing, but can be, you know, a little bit yeah. Yeah. sarcastic. Okay. Yeah, so we'll go with that. Charlie Hunnam. Okay. Um, and then the third suitor slash friend. I just I think it's what creative writing, Bram Stoker, to even come up with this zany cast of characters? <laughs> so Quincy Morris, a plain, a plain-spoken American from Texas, and another of Lucy's suitors. Quincy proves himself a brave and good-hearted man, never begrudging Holmwood his success in winning Lucy's hand. Quincy ultimately sacrifices his life in order to rid the world of Dracula's influence. In the movie, I don't remember him dying. Um, but if they were to do like a book, hmm. you know, if they were to Books, do like, like a straight book adaptation. Guess, yeah. Um, so I describe him kind of as a cowboy. Cowboy. An American cowboy. Texan. Texan. Hmm. That's tough. I don't know why, like the first person who popped in my head, I can't remember his name, but he wouldn't have been good anyway. Um, I think Owen Wilson, but he's too, Owen Wilson. He's too old now. <laughs> yeah. He's too old now and too comedic. Hmm. But if you wanted someone with kind of that more, like a bit of a comedic tone and a bit of a like, but could still do the action stuff, like I feel like, you know, who, who's this? Who's this era's Brendan Fraser? You know, like I, I'm thinking like picked Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's yeah. why I picked Ryan Reynolds. But still, like that again, that another similar like yeah. that's like maybe a Chris Pratt or yeah, yeah, or see, that type that. of character, like, like a Chris Pratt that could. John Krasinski, maybe, um, yeah. you know, who, again, has that kind of comedic touch, but also has proven he can do more serious things you know, as even, well. You um, know, from Call Me By Your Name, um, the older of the two, he was also in um, 
He was in... Army Hammer? Yeah. Don't you think Army Hammer could play a, ca- a Texan cowboy? Army Hammer's just so stiff in everything he does. I don't know. I like him. Yeah. No, I hey, I, I like him too. I think he's got potential. It's just so... I don't know. I guess I can't get over that movie he was in with Felicity Jones and they played the husband and wife and it looked like they hated every minute of it. They had oh. no chemistry and it was really weird. It was yeah. the one about... Um, Oh, I can't even remember. It was I like remember. a women's rights. Yeah, uh, I remember you. I reviewed it, and yeah. it was like decent, but it, it that no really, yeah, that relationship was. So, I've never seen a more awkward kissing. Well, he has lots of chemistry with that Timothy. Timothy and- Chalamet, yeah, <laughs> yeah, way more. Oh, he had way more. It was so such a bad casting. Oh yeah, in that other movie. it was like so much better, like chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. So I don't know. Army Hammer would be, Army Hammer would be but worse. Yeah. someone along that sort of yeah. Very like all American. Yeah, that's I'm trying to stick to kind of the yeah, American actors because um, a lot of actors you think are American are actually British. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm thinking that would be. Yeah, I, I might I might lean towards like maybe Chris Pratt or John Krasinski or somebody yeah. like that. Get and a little comedic honest, touch to I it. I don't remember the actor who plays. He's kind of like. Shuffle. He's lost in the shuffle mm. of the original Dracula movie. Even from what you're describing, he's the one he's I'm least like interested the, yeah. character-wise. And he's like, it's an American cowboy. Okay. Yeah, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> cool. So there's one last character okay. for you to cast, and that's Renfield. So the doctor's patient. Doctor's patient, okay. Um, He's a patient of uh, Seward's Mental Asylum. Uh, Sorry, he's, he's portrayed variously as a strong behemoth and a refined gentleman. Runfield indulges a habit of consuming live creatures, flies, spiders, birds, and so on, which he believes provides him with strength, vitality, and life force. A behemoth, but also very so, like you know, like cra- like strong and crazed, and then slips into you know more gentlemanly. In the original, okay, just to it. give you a yep. little bit more yep. uh, description, in the movie, and again, I I don't know if this differs from the book, but in the movie, he's actually sort of. Um, Dracula's almost like uh, he's kind of been he he claims that Dracula has promised him eternal life interesting and that's why he like eats the bugs and stuff because he believes that he's becoming a vampire and he's kind of almost like Dracula's lackey okay for a better for lack of a better okay um and it's because in some incarnations that I've seen of the film Renfield actually um, goes to Transylvania before Jonathan Harker okay. um, to do this real estate deal, comes back insane, ends up in the insane asylum, um, believing that, you know, Dracula has promised him eternal life, and then Jonathan goes, goes to, after, finish to finish the, the real job. estate okay, okay. deal. Okay. Um, so, again, I don't know how much that, but that just kind of gives you a little bit more. So, I mean, to me, this is someone who needs to be believable that it could potentially be Dracula's lackey that he's gone a bit insane can be kind of insane and cruel and and mean but then also be charming and yeah. and like you can do to the switch. switch on a dime Alexander Skarsgård okay because he does that in in the TV show that I watched there the big little lies yeah that's basically what what he does and, and he I, is very tall so he yeah, he's very tall a- yeah intimidating figure so i think that that could work and it's also believable of when he like you know even if this movie kicks off with him going 
in that because it believes like he is again is just like ryan reynolds believable could be there for real estate doing what he wants to do whatever but then this thing happens and then you know ryan reynolds shows up later so i think that yeah i think that alexander skarsgård would be my cast for i think i i could be wrong but the original actor was tom waits tom waits okay yeah so they went more like in the film he's almost completely insane but he doesn't flip between when you first thought of it i actually started to think about um the actor from tom hardy because again another big imposing force can clearly do sort of like charm and and upper class but also can slip into that insane being a bit crazy so that that was another thought i had is tom hardy which might also fit or the lead guy in um in peaky blinders and who was in um he's that interesting looking british actor who sometimes has played villains he was also in the batman franchise um he was in that uh inception movie um he has an interesting name oh um yes i know who you mean um like karen gillum or something yeah. is his name right yeah karen or something very yeah British gillum yeah yeah, he's um, a great actor. So he he, in my opinion, could play different like multiple characters yep, in this yep, movie. He could be in it for he sure. He could be a Renfield. He yep. could be um, Arthur. Yeah. He could even you know. So anyways, I'd like to tote him out. Yeah, but absolutely. I like Tom Hardy for Renfield. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be interesting. No matter what, this this reboot would be a star-studded cast. Oh, it has like to be. It, it would be. No question. Um, but thank you, Colt, for that, and I'm glad we were able to finish off that casting for we you. We probably and, took way too much time. Oh, we got, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we're halfway done. <laughs> but that's fine. We got some fan questions. It's what the fans At want. At least it's all Halloween related, yes. right? This is all, this is what you want. Um, Sydney says, I'm a big 80s fan. I was wondering if Taylor has heard of any of these interesting 80s vampire films. I personally am a pretty big fan of of Near Dark, Once Bitten, and Life Force. I guess there is something about the larger-than-life characters that draw me to the 80s. Always loved films with a bit more bite. (laughs) I get it. As it were, uh, movies that really stretch reality and are almost melodramatic. Things uh, you can sometimes only find in the 80s. Thank you for the Vampire Show. Um, Sydney, I definitely agree with you that 80s movies... Um, weren't afraid to go there in the way that modern movies are. And I actually enjoy 80s movies a lot for that sense of almost like a theatricality in terms of yep. the uh, the music, the synth, the synth scores and the acting, the sort of 1980s artifice, which the 80s are known for, not just in film, but in general that, you know, um, anyways, I could go into a whole thing. Unfortunately, I haven't heard of these um, 80s vampire films. I am um, a child of the 90s, not the 80s. I've seen a lot of 80s films because of my mom, but she was never really super into vampire movies. So these Near Dark, Once Bitten in Life Force, unfortunately, I haven't heard of them, but I'll definitely take a look. There's another movie that I've never seen that I've has been on my list, and it might be from the 70s or the 80s. It was recently... Well, actually, not recently anymore. A couple years ago, there was a remake, Fright Night, which okay. is a vampire yep. movie. Yep. And it's Colin Farrell plays the vampire yes, in yes. the remake. In the remake, But yeah. um, that's another, I believe, 80s vampire film that I haven't seen before. So, Sydney, thank you for those recommendations, not just for myself, but for our other vampire fr- uh, Absolutely. fans. But, yes, 80s films. We should have an 80s episode because – I guess so. Gosh. The we could. Different – just different – 
filmmaking. I 100% agree that it, it's it's almost larger than life and melodramatic, and it is so different than what you get now, but it kind of worked for what it was. A lot yeah, of like 80s it, films were like it that. It seemed it wasn't real life, but it was okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like Pretty Woman, even though that's like 89 or 91. Like, it's just different yeah. it's anyways so we'll revisit that later yeah definitely um marvo asks um vampires have been such a mainstay um for me in horror films i haven't felt that way about zombies or any other horror classic characters why do you think vampires have continued to be worth telling stories about and so much more interesting than other monster characters i think because they were once human and then become monsters they there are there are very human human monsters and they reflect a lot of our own sort of fears and you know mortality would um if we were if we were given the option to never die essentially would we take it and there's a lot of sort of moral ambiguity about being a vampire that's one b they're also super sexy whereas a zombie the flesh is kind of falling off their bodies yeah um and zombies aren't they don't have the motivation that vampires have i think vampires have such a again their morality and their um motivating factors are pretty ambiguous and in the gray zone and it can you know sometimes they're just outright psychopaths sometimes they kill out of necessity blah 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 blah. whereas a zombie their only motivating factor is to eat brains which to me just aren't Vampires are so nuanced. There's so many layers to them. And I think there's a lot you can explore with vampires, whereas zombies and other monsters are kind of, um, you know, like Frankenstein's monster is a literal monster made out of body parts. How far can you take that trope? How far can you take a zombie trope? Whereas with vampires, you can really take them in different directions. Yeah, there's more nuance to it. and, And I think that it also depends on, you know, the metaphors for what people use vampires for just work in different ways and monsters like i don't know like even even tv shows like true blood or buffy the vampire slayer like using vampirism as a metaphor for something else it's the same way as like why was x-men so popular it was a metaphor for for homosexuality for a long time it was a metaphor for the you know the rights movements xenophobia and like i think vampires have at time been our fear of the one percent of the class divide vampires can be used um as yeah like in in a similar i think you know the whole point of the true blood tv series and books was very similar to um the fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. when when you know now about something and the fear and the things that people will make up and not know even though like like anything else some vampires were good and some were bad and and so i think that there's a lot of nuance there and i kind of agree with you like i think zombies are one track you tell the story of a fear of loss of individuality. That's what all the zombies are about. That's it. We fear our loss of individuality. So if that fear doesn't necessarily exist, maybe it's not used as much. But I think filmmakers pull vampires because it's so easy to use it in a, in a many different things they want to say and tell. To me, they're just so much more interesting. Obviously, people who are zombie fans will say, you know, well, zombies are interesting. I'm a but- zombie fan. I love some zombie movies, but I still agree that vampires, I think, have more nuance. They just are more, I think they have, they can go farther yeah. as characters. I think you made a good point. After a zombie needs to eat a brain, what what, what else, what is, else there? is there? Like they're flesh eating or brain eating creatures. Like that's it. So there might be some cool things you can do with that. And I think zombies ha- have had a bit of a resurgence in the past couple of years. But I think you might be seeing the tail end of it yeah. because I think we've told those zombie stories. Mm-hmm. So now 
they're you know they'll move on to something else and then zombies will come back but i think the reason why we see vampire every couple of years there's some new vampire thing i think it's because there's so much you can do with it oh yeah just a quick before we move on there is one zombie movie that i like i believe it's a canadian movie fido okay yeah set kind of in the 1950s where zombies have been domesticated (laughs) um there and they have a family zombie but anyways that's that would be my one zombie recommendation uh, Percy asks, very interesting how Taylor brought up only males seem considered for major vampire roles, but also isn't it odd that it's generally white males? Wouldn't we all like to see Idris Elba as a vamp? I know I'm in. We may be seeing him in the Blade remake. I believe he was in it. I thought that he was I supposed to be in it. I don't think it's been made it. yet. No. Um, I think he's been shortlisted, if my memory is serving me, but I also, Mohammed, what's the last name of, he was in... Um, the Green Book, Mohammed Ali. Ali? No, that's Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Mohammed Ali was a famous uh, boxer. Ali. It may, but maybe Mahershala Ali was shortlisted for the maybe. I thought Idris Elba was announced in something though recently. Maybe that's why why there's confusion because I'm pretty sure he was announced. Either way, either of those actors would be good in a Blade remake. There is a pretty iconic um, African American vampire film. I believe it's called Ganja and Hess. Um, about sort of quote-unquote black vampirism. I'll be honest, um, this is one of my shortcomings in that I know my film uh, my film viewing isn't as diverse as it could be. Um, that isn't to say that there hasn't been mm-hmm. black vampire There definitely films. has been. Um, a lot like black exploitation films from the 70s. There's like black Dracula and stuff. Um, but yeah, it would be, aside from the Blade franchise sort of modern mm-hmm. vampire stories um, are largely white. Yep. It's by virtue of the fact that Hollywood mm-hmm. is pretty white. But yeah, stay tuned. Although, you know, it sucks because Blade's just going to be a reboot. It would be nice to see more yeah, original. I think um, it is Mahershala Ali who's supposed to be the Blade in Blade. But it just was just announced in something. Maybe it had nothing to do with vampires. But I thought there was some sort of thing where he was going to do something. I, I mean, other than cats, obviously. But <laughs> I thought there was something else. But maybe, maybe I'm... Is he still in talks for Bond? He was, but I have heard nothing about James Bond. They're so focused on the 25th yeah. anniversary, which now the it is confirmed that uh, the writer from uh, Fleabag. Fleabag is going to write yeah. because Daniel Craig would have it no other way. Um, you go, Daniel. Yeah, like I think Idris Elba would still make cloud. a great Bond. The only knock against him is his age. He's older, like the, we, he's you know. Been acting, for, you know, he seems like he's a, a quote unquote new actor, but like, no, he's been acting for. A long and Idris time. Elba would have been a great Bond. Like, I think you could have either had Daniel Craig or Idris Elba because they're both older. Like Daniel yeah. Craig is is old now, and I think they've got a cast Bond they can go with for four or five movies without it being, you know, difficult or Maybe weird. Marsh- like I think Marshall Ali. Marshall Ali would be younger. See, he would be is great. He British though. They have a thing about only He's casting British. He's not actors. British. Yeah, because even like Sterling K. Brown would make a good Bond too, but he's not British. So, let's let's get back on track. We can have a whole episode about Bond. When we the could. We pro- and we probably will when the twenty fifth anniversary. Because I have a lot of thoughts on different Bond casting. Um, Austin asks, vampires check, Marvel check. Now, where is our DC only episode, folks? That will be forthcoming. Stay tuned for DC. We'll we'll uh, we'll do that one. Listen, I'm gonna say something controversial. There has not been enough good movies from the DC. No, universe. there hasn't. 
I liked the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I will give I will also say the Tim Burton ones have been good. Some of the Superman movies from the eighties were nice, like the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. A couple he likes of them were the decent. new Aquaman. Yep. But like not enough to talk about more than once. Um and Wonder Woman. And that's that's honestly been it. The rest of them have not been good. We could do a whole episode dedicated to Batman the animated series. Oh, absolutely. That, <laughs> that was a fan- Batman the animated series for Very sure. Good. Oh, even the Justice League animated series, yeah. I would talk about that forever. Um it's just for the movies they've they've done a terrible job with it. Um but but yeah, I'll do an all DC episode. Something DC comes out next, we'll we'll do something, you know, more concrete and we dove a little bit into the Joker talking about potentials for where things could have gone. Um, I've noticed that our fans have been decidedly quiet on the whole I, Joker. No fan questions about the Joker, yeah. Yes. Either people strongly disagree or agree. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, let's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, that goes to show there's no discussion, and that probably, you know, goes to show that in six months there will be no discussion. Yeah, because I don't think the movie is worth talking about. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, Chris asks, what happened to cast in the rest of Twilight? Where's the new doctor? So it's Carlisle. I think it's Carlisle. Cullen? Yeah. There you go. So, Chris, we were kind of ran- we were running short on time, and I- I'm biased. I was kind of steering the episode that day. I really wanted to get to Dracula, so that's why we didn't have enough time to cast the whole movie, because there is a large cast. The Cullen family includes several children, a dad and a mom. Um, Dr. Kyle- Carlisle is the dad of the vampire family. Okay. He kind of... Um, he's like i think in his late 20s early 30s and essentially makes a vampire family he is a doctor he believes in saving lives as opposed to taking them so he discovers how you can you know you can sustain on an animal blood as opposed to human blood okay um sort of the moral compass of the family and the leader of the family okay um who who was my edward do you remember because they'd have to look alike right I can't remember. Did I say Timothy Chalamet? We said he could. Definitely he could be, definitely uh, do if it. he, yeah, if he bulked up a bit, yeah, because he's, he's like scrawny. really scrawny. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess they don't have to look alike though, because they're not biological. No. Never mind. Yeah, because um, he's an adopted family. Doctor Carlisle. So he's got to be then relatively like nurturing and yeah. pretty, like a like I would say like he's the strong center of the family from yeah. the way you're describing it. And like very mm, ethical, very ethical, okay. Um, strong family. The original actor, like I couldn't even. He's been in like a couple other things, but he's not like to me wasn't particularly well known. Okay, we'll go for the this generation's dad, Milo Ventimiglia's. <laughs> he's the dad like, right work. now on television, work. so we'll, we'll go with him. Perfect. He will play Carlisle. Great. Um, the last question comes from Tyler, and it's a behemoth, so I left it at the end. And I also have to move because my eyes are not this good. So I got to uh... – <laughs> oh, I hope I didn't disconnect something. I'm making a lot of noise. I'm making a lot of noise. I dropped my phone And earlier. we're all right. Okay. <clears throat> Tyler. So he quotes me to begin with. I also don't know how to – what is going on here? Okay. Tyler, movies have have to have an ending except for Her Smell, which didn't have an ending. He's quoting me. Mike, Mike, 2019. 2019. And then he says, I leave for a few months and all civility and discourse goes flying out the window. Did I say that? 
all movies oh, have probably, to have an ending. Probably. I think I think all stories but, do have to have an brand ending. For you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he says hello again, Tyler. Here, lifting the gray curtain that obscures the GTA. Right, he moved from the rest of the world to send a quick uh, fan email. I finally caught up on all your episodes after a whirlwind of marriage. 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 Congratulations, Honeymoon, Tyler. moving, new employment. So, yeah, is that your marriage, Taylor? Well, I, Tyler, why would... Also, honeymoon. I guess it had that's to be yours. Tyler. No, that's Tyler. He got I know. married, had a honeymoon, and got is a that, new job. And got a new job. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, he also says there is a video rental store in Toronto uh, that has all the Buster Keaton movies. Congrats. Congratulations. Honestly, I don't know which one he's more excited about. The, <laughs> the videos. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. Um... Uh, he loved the long-awaited vampire episode. I have been wanting uh, to watch Only Lovers Left Alive for years, so I think I will finally make it happen this Halloween season. Fun fact, same director as The Dead Don't Die. Oh, really? Yes, correct. Um, Jim Jim Mareshki. Interesting. Also, I loved Mike's accidental idea for a mashup of what we do in the shadows and a star is born. What what we do in the shallows. Yes, I said shallows. <laughs> that would be a great mashup. And that's the only reason I would ever watch a star is born again if they did that. Like we're they're now vampires. Oh, like yeah. if like Lady Gaga's character is a vampire, that movie is so much better. <laughs> and it's a musical. So I have two questions for you for Taylor. Are are you if any are you a fan of any fla- slasher flicks for Halloween? A Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth? Any recommendations? Unfortunately, Tyler, I'm not the girl to be going to for slasher flicks. It's not really my genre. The only slasher flick that like really stuck with me is Black Christmas from the '70s. Um, that was the one they did a weird w- they remake. They are doing of a whatever. horrible remake of that. I won't even think about again um black christmas was a really great film but i would recommend you watch it at christmas because it's literally a christmas movie Makes so sense. um i apologize slasher has never been my genre um not particularly interested in it not that there aren't good slasher flicks it's just not something that just like i don't watch like a lot of um uh uh torture porn things like that like i'm definitely more supernatural um, serial killers, that kind of stuff. So sorry. When I was a teenager, I liked to know what you did last summer, like the first movie. I yeah, really they were enjoyed popular. that. Um, and the Final Destination movies, which is basically like death is coming to get you because yeah. you've survived death. I always thought that was interesting because they kind of got creative with how people died. That's the type of slasher film I like is the creativity around it. I do have one suggestion, and I think I brought it up with the show maybe last year. Um, the Strangers Pray at Night, mm-hmm. which is a sequel to the original Strangers film, that would be a slasher flick. It really had me on the edge of this edge of my seat because it takes place in an abandoned um, trailer park, and yeah. they're trying to navigate from like trailer to trailer. Interesting. And it's a family against like the family of the serial killers. Um, would you classify Get Out as a slasher flick in a way? No. No. Because it's. I guess it's this, not really uh, for me. The sla- uh, a good slasher flick is that it's normally, you know, one or a couple entities that like you don't know. Who yeah, they that's are, true. And it's like that faceless threat. Yeah, whereas Get Out is more of a psychological thriller, thriller more yeah. so than it is slasher. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So yeah, my one suggestion would be Strangers Pray at Night. 
Okay. Which is kind of a pun. Pray at night. Pray at night. <laughs> um, for Mike, he asks, I had an interesting chat with someone who deeply wanted Hollywood to reboot Star Trek The Next Generation, similar to how J.J. Abrams rebooted the original cast. Putting aside whether or not it's a good idea, can you think of a cast uh, for the crew of the Enterprise D? This is tough because, like, I agree putting aside if it's a good idea or not would be really tough. So here, here's why it's tough even if you put aside if it's a good idea. Like Patrick Stewart playing Captain Picard was the heart of that TV series, and there aren't many people like Patrick Stewart who who exist. Like even even when they tried in X Men to be like the younger Patrick Stewart is James McAvoy, and James McAvoy is an amazing actor, but it just it never he felt the have same. And that's where what Patrick Stewart brings to every role is not only the gravitas, but this idea of like safety. Captain Picard was always the the to put it for you, not a Star Trek fan. No. Captain Kirk was always the if if you you whenever you ask someone oh like what ship would you want to serve on if I'm in a war Captain Kirk any other time Captain Picard because he's a peacemaker he's right. an explorer he cares he's very calculated and he's very smart he's probably the way more superior captain um, whereas Captain Kirk's a little more of a cowboy type yeah of like thing. an adventurer yes whereas Captain Picard aliens. is like a military strategist yeah. but a but a diplomat first right. and foremost and a scientist first and foremost so i think captain picard would be the hardest thing to to do in in terms of that but yeah i mean other roles i again looking at young actors who can handle the dialogue and you interview any actor from from star trek and they'll say it's like doing shakespeare you need people who can handle the dialogue because it's so unique and different and all the technology so i would honestly be looking at that i'd be looking at like london and and Broadway and I'd be grabbing like people who can handle BBC actors. Yeah, people who can handle like text and that type of thing. But for a couple quick ideas, just to kind of give an answer, I think like you want to do something a little different as well. And I think someone like um, Dev Patel, who's done a lot of really cool movies, but also was for a long time a Shakespearean actor, I think he would be fantastic being on the Enterprise. Like I, I would honestly put him in a role like the first officer, William Riker, even though Dev Patel's quite young, but I, I would do this like quite from the beginning. I would give him that type of an opportunity. He's like, okay, you've done all these things. We're going to give you a big series and see how you do with it. Um, I'd also be very interested to see what they do with, so there's an android on the ship. His name is Data. Matt right. Salton hates Data, but uh, <laughs> I think Data's a fantastic character. Another one that is so hard because he's so connected to the actor, Brent Spiner, who played him. Um, I, I would think for that, I would want an unknown. Okay. Someone who nobody knows to play that role, to come in because you're playing an android who basically has no emotions and is trying to become human. It's like the – basically it's like Pinocchio. That's the whole story. He's trying you know to become a real boy. I think of that British actor from um, – well, I guess he's he might even be like Irish. He is very tall and he played Kylo Ren's um, left-hand man in the new – Oh, um, yes. He, all, he has like um, an Irish Celtic yes. name. Yes. Dur, dur, it starts with like a D or something. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Domwell like, Gleason. I've seen him in interviews. Yes. He does not seem like a real human. He would be fantastic to play Data. He's. I don't think he's necessarily an unknown because he's also in the Harry Potter well, he's movies. Not, but he's not unknown. No, but, he's but, a, he's a, 
yes, Donwell Gleason, that type of person, or one of the Scars guards that are unknown. Yeah, like I'm yeah. sure there's like a fourth one out there somewhere. Oh, like I'm yeah. sure there's like just grab a Scars guard, throw him a in cousin. there. A cousin, one of the Scars guards. Like someone like that would be fantastic to play Data. Yeah, that would be perfect. Um, for some of the other roles, I don't know. Again, I, I, Tyler, I'd honestly have to give this more thought. So maybe I'll get back to you about some of the other ones. But yeah, I think it would be tough. For Captain Picard, I think that's where I struggle because can you name an actor right now other than Patrick Stewart or like Ian McKellen who has that like gravitas and brings on that, I don't know, just star power and classiness? Where I like, it's because it, it's another shortcoming of Hollywood is that ageism is a thing mm-hmm. that we just don't have a pool of older actors yeah. to draw from. And the there, the youngest I'd ever want to see a Picard is still in like his early fifties, because that's when I, I really, even though like, I mean, Patrick Stewart I think was in his forties for most of the filming. Picard has always been portrayed as he's older, he's the oldest member of the crew by far, but it doesn't slow him down in any way, and I think that's what brought such great power to yeah. that role. But again, it's so hard. I think Star Trek really hit a wall after the Star Trek: The Next Generation because you can't have a captain that ever lives up to, to Jean-Luc Picard. It's it's the reason why when they're doing a Picard series now, they're play, he's playing himself older. Because they're like not going to go back in no. time. Because who? how are you going to cast him? Unless, like, the only thing I would like, and this is something that I don't know if Tyler and I brought up on our Star Trek episode, I'd be okay with seeing Picard at the Academy when he was, like, a teenager. The prequel. Yeah, because when he was a teenager, he was different. Like, he even admits there's a Star Trek episode about it that explains the moment when he sort of learned to be a little bit more... I guess like stoic and a little bit more reserved, but seeing him kind of like Kirk was, but in his youth, a little off the handle would be interesting to me and meeting some of the friends that he meets in the Academy and kind of like slowly Army learning Hammer those. Army Hammer could play him. Army Hammer as yes, <laughs> could play him when he's younger. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know anything about Star Trek. But no, that's, I, I thank you, Tyler. You've given me something to think about, but I might get back to you for more uh, casting thoughts, but those oh, are some. Of, yeah, those are some of my my quick initial thoughts. Um, he just finishes off by saying, "Glad to be back in the screening in Kingston Fold. Keep up the great work, um, and you'll be hearing from me or be hearing from you soon." Sincerely, Tyler, the Lost Boy, Vance. Oh, <laughs> Tyler. Well, thank you, Tyler. Glad you wrote in, and and congratulations for all the fun things going on in your life. Um, but definitely write in again, Tyler. Anytime. So we're almost at the end. Um, that was a little episode <laughs> of fan questions, really. Um, but very Vampires quickly, times two. We do want to give people some Halloween suggestions. Yeah. The reason why we're doing this episode so early is give you a weekend before Halloween to do some – because I know if anyone's like me in a minute, November 1st comes, I'm done with Halloween. So, not um, me, but not you. No, but, that, you know, that's a lifestyle. So give us some – Thoughts from you, Taylor. You you've got your list from last year, but some some movie thoughts and suggestions for yeah, people so right now. Really, really quick. I'm gonna recap um, the movies I picked for last year. This is kind of like my definitive, you know, top ten yep. something for everyone. So, The Craft, Beetlejuice, The Adams Family, yep. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Sleepy Hollow, um, The Haunting of Hill House, Practical Magic, The Exorcist. Pet Cemetery and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Cool. Those would be, this is kind of my standing list. You know, go ahead, watch those. You're going to have a good Halloween. Now, it was hard for me to come up with another list because I thought, well, we 
did maybe we exhaust Halloween? The, <laughs> yeah, in maybe we did. Maybe we did. How do I one up that? But I kind of I came up with a list okay. of a, a couple different things, just if you need some variety. Yeah. So Dan and I watched uh, on Friday night. We watched Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Which to me, even though it's sort of a, a almost like a procedural um, murder uh, mystery, I think it holds up. It's eerie. Um, really great performances. Great filmmaking. Interesting um, film choices and setting up frames. Silence of the Lambs, great. If you're looking for a horror comedy, um, Reanimator. Reanimator. From the 80s. Um, it's about a kind of uh, two medical students that kind of get slapped together. One is a complete weirdo. The other one's kind of the straight man. Um, and for some reason, they end up as kind of like lab partners. And the, uh-huh. the, cr- the crazy one, the one that's off the handle, is trying to uh, reanimate dead bodies. And so... <laughs> well, that sounds like, ridiculous. He's like, okay. normal, like, <laughs> he's like normal med student. Uh, I think they end up as roommates. He's trying to deal with this guy who's trying to reanimate dead Very bodies cool. in the house. Um, so that's a good one. Um, recently, uh, well, I guess it was last year now, uh, the remake of Suspiria. Um, Suspiria, the original one, is also great, but if you're looking for more of an atmospheric, very mood-heavy witches, which are great for the Halloween season, Suspiria, the remake, is a good one. If you're feeling nostalgic, um, watch Casper or Halloween Town. Casper, jeez. <laughs> the two movies that are probably uh, featured heavily in your um, in your childhood. Casper um, was my sister's first crush. Um, the boy Casper. When oh, he becomes, oh, when he becomes a boy, not, not the, the ghost. ghost. Okay. Um, but um, and it also interestingly is I read recently it's the first movie to feature um, a CGI character as the main character. Oh. Um, kind of like because he. Um, you know, there's because there's humans in the cast, and then yes, the ghosts and then the ghosts are CGI'd, yeah. Um, and then Halloween Town, of course, is a Disney classic. Um, if you're looking for a cult movie, um, House of the Devil. If you're looking for a classic, 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 go for The Cabinet of da- Dr. Caligari, um, a German expressionist silent film, The Twist. Um, you know, we think we're savvy movie watchers, but um, the twist is pretty interesting at mm. the end of that film. Um, if you're looking for television series, not movies, but if you're looking for sort of something to get you in the mood that you can watch slowly or not, if you want to uh, binge it, put it in the back of a, a party, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Of course, the, yeah. the current one. Current one, um, yeah. There's been two seasons. The third uh, looks like it's due out maybe in the winter. Um Really great, atmospheric, funny, also scary. Um, and then The Haunting of Hill House, which was a miniseries on yeah. Netflix. Both of these TV series available on Netflix. Yeah. The Haunting of Hill House was very scary, but also very atmospheric. Then some, uh, if you're feeling like you want to go classic, classic horror, I would, I would say Poltergeist or Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. If you're looking for a modern classic, The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a Taylor pick, the crow the crow yeah yeah there's your taylor pick yeah and the only thing i would really add to that is just for people who are on netflix like if you haven't gotten around to it i think stranger things is a great thing to watch right now this time of year um stranger things is a fantastic one i i've been meaning to get to sabrina and i think i might watch that in the coming week and it's based on a graphic novel yeah that's what i heard like and you can feel you can see those influences that's awesome the the program that's really cool i know i gave you a a rapid list kind of like a like you know it's good because we're almost out of time yeah so i wanted to get did. in all of those no and, and that's the i hope people will will take those suggestions and watch them over the next week and kind of just let let us know 
kind of what you thought of, of some of these Halloween picks. I think there's a lot of really good ones out there, um, and we do have our list from last year. But the other thing is if you're looking for something different and you want like a laugh around Halloween and you don't necessarily – but you still want the feel, like Shaun of the Dead yeah. is another really yeah. good one. I mean it's like horror Evil comedy. Dead Evil Dead 2. Um, and even like a re- not really – feeling of Halloween but has sort of the atmosphere of Tim Burton mystery men which is basically making fun of of uh superheroes but it's set in a Gotham City very dark location thing and the whole time I mean it is set I think in the month of October because there's like a bunch of Halloween stuff that happened but it's really cool people dressing up in costumes doing fun things it's a again if you just want to laugh in between of all the horror movies there you go and rewatch the first two scary movies yeah <laughs> I mean in it's one of those franchises that probably now has like ten. Probably, but I do. The remember beginning, the f- they were funny. The first two. The, I like the third one, the like as well. Okay, like the third so one, goes, I would put one, two, and three are good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So watch the yeah. first three. Um, the first three have a lot of great and then laughs we'll in see, there. Like kind of, everything's a little downhill from there. But yeah. if you're looking, but for, the first you know, three, spoofy, definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks everybody. That's our that's Halloween episode number two. So Have hopefully, a happy Halloween. yeah, and hopefully you enjoyed this. And uh, we don't know what's coming up next week, but we'll be here. All right, go see some movies.